You're listening to the Rad Podcast. Explore wealth. Different model, a different way, different way of doing business. Mm-hmm. Parts of the country, twenty four seven, seven days a week. I was just done with the gurus. If somebody gives me thirty to fifty thousand dollars, that should be a lifetime relationship for Podcast Nation. Because if you give me that kind of money, I have an obligation, in my opinion, a responsibility to see you succeed. You know, it's important as you guys are learning this thing that you dive in deep. We're we're providing better content, more content than anybody else out there because we're in the field doing this business every single day. So let's go ahead and get started. So today we're talking about driving, evaluating, examining properties. Now, you know, from a background standpoint, what I want you to understand is in any given month, we could drive close to a thousand properties. And so we're driving more properties than anyone else is out there. So we can take a look at a property and know things that other people can't know, like just, just from a glance, just from a look. But I'm going to really help you get insight in order to look into that. Because I think one of the greatest fears for real estate investors is yes, you know, if I go to an auction and I buy a house for 10,000, 30,000, 50,000, 80,000, you know, $300,000, depending on where in the country you are, you know, if I buy a house, you know, and, and it doesn't work out, if, if it's suddenly the property's in bad condition, then, 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 you know, what do I do? And, and that frustration. So my, my preventative measures to that, you know, one of the reasons we began partnering with our students is because I realized that was one of their greatest fears. So we could alleviate a lot of that form. So one of my preventative mes- measures to that is just to get better at evaluating the deals, at evaluating the properties, of, of knowing what's going on in these areas, knowing what's going on in a city. Because the bottom line is, is when I take a look at a house, I want to know what my worst case scenario, best case scenario, and most likely scenario is. So let's go ahead and, and get started. So first thing I do is I'm out driving properties, right? We already got the list last week. Now we're out driving properties. We're using our systems in order to do that. And so what I want you to be able to take a look at is, is what's going on in the areas, what's going on in the neighborhood. So when I drive into a neighborhood, the first thing I take a look at is I'm actually taking a look at what are the people in the neighborhood. You know, this world has changed so much with people working from home that you really get a better idea of what's going on in a neighborhood, what's going on in an area than you ever had before. And so when I drive into the neighborhood, the first thing I look at is the people right? I look at how people are dressed. I look at are people, you know, just hanging out or are people moving back and forth in order to, you know, um, go to business or go to school or, or do work, right? Um, I'm looking at the, the people and I want to know, like, for example, if there's a mom with two babies and, and a yoga outfit and she's jogging around the neighborhood, that's going to be a completely different scenario, right? Than, than two guys that are drinking a 40 and, 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 and smoking, smoking stogies sitting on, sit, sitting on a porch, right? So those are two very different neighborhoods. And so this gets you a really idea. If I'm into a neighborhood and now I, I look at, you know, what, what are, what's going on in there, right? I, I like to look at the cars. That's really the second thing I look at. So I'm looking at these cars and I want to know what kind of cars are in the neighborhood, right? If I'm looking at, you know, there's a Mercedes Benz, you know, brand new and there's an Escalade, you know, brand new, which are these luxury cars. And I'm looking at, you know, an Infiniti or I'm looking at, you know, some BMWs, you know, there's a good chance I'm in an A neighborhood, right? Um, and, and if I'm looking at, you know, cars that don't have loans on them, I always say there's cars that have loans and cars that don't have loans. So I'm looking at cars that don't have loans, which are, you know, pre, pre, prior to 2010 cars a lot of times. Um, then I'm looking at a, a, a neighborhood that's dropped obviously below A, probably below B, and maybe you're getting into that C, C plus, 
B minus kind of neighborhood. And so we classify our, all our neighborhoods as ABC, and I'll get into that a little bit more, but an A neighborhood is, is, is something, you know, you definitely, you know, is gonna have maximum value for prices. Whereas B is gonna be kind of in that middle ground, you know, it's gonna be where your middle class live, and then C is gonna be where, where, where you're more your working class poor or very poor live. And so as I get in these cars, if I look at a car and I'm looking at the professional neighborhood, right? I see Priuses and I see Toyotas and I see, you know, Ford Fusions and I see these cars that people drive to and work and they commute and and those kind of things that I know I'm getting into that kind of B neighborhood. Maybe I'm getting into a, a neighborhood where there's a lot of blue collar workers, right? So I see a lot of work vans, a lot of work trucks and and those kind of things. So now I'm starting to get into a neighborhood where um, I'm like C plus to B minus, maybe even to B depending on the neighborhood, right? But I love those kind of neighborhoods because those are typically the neighborhoods that grow the most in value for us. Um, you know, you're gonna look at a city map and you're gonna see, you know, what, what is the overall general city? So one of the things I'm gonna do before the end of this presentation is I'm gonna draw a typical city for you and, and, and where the A, B, and C neighborhoods are, how to, how to find emerging markets. One of the most important things in real estate we all know is location, location, location. And so what I like to find when it comes to real estate is I like to find these neighborhoods that are, you know, these good neighborhoods. But for, for, for many reasons, the values haven't really grown. But if I'm watching the neighborhoods and I'm watching my trends and I'm watching how my neighborhood grows, you know, I'm watching that, that here's block one where I have an A neighborhood, a, a Pearl neighborhood, right? And then my neighborhood's a little bit like four blocks away and I've seen the values between this house and this house constantly grow. And I've seen my value grow here as well where my house is. And so, so what I'm seeing is this is the chance for it truly, truly to be awesome. Lots of times in these emerging neighborhoods, we're gonna find construction projects that are going on. Like there's new, new builds, new divisions that are being built. Um, sometimes you have cities with specific um, names like, like Germantown or, or Brewery Town or, or the gallery like, like in Houston, right? And so these, 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 these named neighborhoods typically have a much higher value. And lots of times you'll find houses that are just right outside of those named neighborhoods, just as nice, just as quality, um, and still have access maybe to the same school districts and those kind of things. These are houses that get tremendous value for us and can really be, be good investments and good purchases. Um, you know, I like to see what's in the neighborhood. As I'm driving it by, is there a church in the neighborhood? Is there, is there schools in the neighborhood? Is it a charter school or is it a public school, right? And so what I want to take a look at, you know, if a schools, if all the schools in the neighborhood are ones and twos, then, then it's likely to be a crap. But if I have a, a neighborhood where the houses are undervalued, but the schools are rated like sevens, eights, nines, then that's a phenomenal neighborhood. And that neighborhood's really going to go up and a value. You'd be amazed at how much schools truly determine the value, the values of houses. And then I'm going to take a look at, you know, just the general conversation. I'm going to stop and talk to people. If I'm going to bid on a property, I'm going to talk to the neighbors um, that, are on, that, that are there. I might stop at the local corner store and see what kind of foot traffic is coming in and out of the, 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 the local corner store. All of these things give me a good idea when I'm evaluating my neighborhoods. Uh, when I'm out driving them, I'm going to, you know, GIS is a good way to know what's going on in, a, in an area, what's going on in a system. Every single county that I've been in has a GIS system. And so what you'll do is you'll Google your local, your local uh, uh, tax assessor's office, right? You'll Google your local county government office and then you'll type in GIS and you should be able to find a leak there 
And this will help you figure out, you know, when you're out there evaluating properties, it'll help you figure out your property lines, what's going on in the area, what's going on in the neighborhood. Uh, route for me is a route planning system we use in order to maximize our drive time. So when we're out evaluating properties and we're maximizing our drive time, what I, what I do is I kind of take a look at my overall properties. I load them all into the system. And then what I'll typically do is remove the outliers. And so like outliers are stuff that's just further away that's just going to take a tremendous amount of time off of my drive time. And I'll take those off of my core drive time and then I'll have those placed at different times like when I'm out looking at my existing properties or I'm out just hanging out or out in the neighborhood and then I'll hit those ones and twosies from here and there. But for me, that way my core drive is, is very, very focused. I've got a couple things that are on, on, on the, the chat so I just want to... I want to make sure and take a look at this. Uh, Kathy White, great cook. I want to say hi to you guys. Eric Jones, what's up, man? Uh, I usually go in a weekday time, weekday times, at least one evening. Gives you the tone of a neighborhood. Um, Eric just made a comment about, you know, when does he go and drive property? So for me, driving properties in the morning is always a good time. Driving properties in the evening is always a good time. One of the things I do, though, see, I first started flipping houses uh, in the ghetto, right? South side of Chicago. And so one of the things I found is I typically don't like to be in those neighborhoods after about one o'clock in the afternoon, two o'clock in the afternoon. So typically in the rougher neighborhoods, I won't drive in the evenings. Um, I like to get out there on the weekends. I like to get out there uh, early in the morning and, and then I get a really good feel of what's going on in the neighborhoods. In your professional neighborhoods, it's interesting today more than ever in the history of our country, you can get a good idea of what's going on in a neighborhood during the, during the middle of the day, during the middle of the week. And the reason is because there's just so many more people working. Um, the, world, the world has changed a tremendous amount with that. And so let, let's keep on going. Um, what I like to do is I like to use WhatsApp. And so WhatsApp's in, oh, he's got my phone on Facebook Live. I was going to grab it and show you. So WhatsApp is a, is a downloadable app. So uh, for those of you that are technology ch technologically challenged, right? Um, get someone who's, 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 who's younger, like I do, right, in order to download the app to your phone. Um, or you can just go to Google Play um, and download WhatsApp. So for me, WhatsApp is like the ultimate communication tool. So when, we, when we're out driving properties, what I like to do is I take a picture within my WhatsApp. And then typically what I'll do is, is I have a paper list of the properties that I'm driving, the properties that I'm going to go out. And so then I'll take a picture of the property that I drove. So I have the picture of the house than a picture of the address. And that keeps me organized. It keeps me systematized, right? Keeping this information systematized is so important. I know people have good memories and I know people believe they have good memories, but the challenge that happens, and, and, and I'm about as good as it gets to remembering stuff. Like, like, I'll, like my staff is like a month later, six months later, two years later, I'll remember things about houses that we drove. And at the same time, what happens is in your mind, you'll be driving houses and then and then a week and a half later you'll be doing your max bid sheets which I never recommend I usually recommend the day after you're done driving properties you create your max bid sheets because then the information is the freshest and newest I'd write that down and so what happens though is you begin to replace information about property A in your mind with information about property D, B and you'll mix things together and so it's so incredibly important that you stay just just hugely organized when you're out driving these properties and just take a little bit more time. What I always say when I'm driving properties is, is I rush to get to the next property. I, I, I move with a sense of urgency, right? But then when I'm at the property, I take my time. When I'm at the property, I take my time to look at the neighborhood. I take my time to talk to the neighbors, take my time to do a true real evaluation of the property. And so that's, that's super important. But then once I'm done, 
you know, we get back in the car and we make, you know, we move with a sense of urgency to get to the next house, to get to the next property. So um, realtor.com is one of the best, you know, apps that I like using in order to, you know, get an idea of what's going on in my neighborhoods. The other thing it does is it really helps me see trends. And so it's got what we call a dot map. So you'll download that to your phone as well. And so I don't like to use the realtor.com in order to give me a comp or a comparable. Um, what I like to do is, is have the app downloaded and look at the, the geography where it has all the dots on, on a map. And then I'm able to click on those dots and get an idea of what the values are um, to the left, to the right, to the top, to the bottom, north, south, east, west, right of my property. And just know where my trends are going, know where my waves are going with my property. Um, evaluations, you know, when you're out driving properties, you know, you're going to just look at all of these things, right? There's just all of these factors. And there's so many things that, that people don't pay attention to, you know. Um, if there's not a, a grocery store in an area near a house, then it's not as attractive. Um, if you're in a college town, you're going to have a lot more chance for, for rentals, right? But a lot of people who want to be professional or want to people who want to work at a high level don't want to live in a frat area, right? They don't want to live where people are partying and having fun. But typically near colleges, properties have a lot higher value than when they're just in a normal neighborhood by themselves. But typically, you know, you'll go from a B to a B plus. So usually a college um, neighborhood, if you're in the, the nicest of neighborhoods, if you're like in an A neighborhood, a college will take your value down from like an A to an A minus. But if you're in a normal, uh, average middle class neighborhood, it'll take you from like a B to a B plus neighborhood. And so as you guys are seeing, we really get nitty gritty on evaluating our properties. Because now once I get my work done and at the end of the day and I'm going back and I'm taking a look at my properties, I have everything classified. And so that's where the organization comes in, and so it's so really, really important. Um, you know, we're going to keep going, A, B, C. Okay, so now we're going to be talking about A neighborhoods. So an A neighborhood is like your Beverly Hills. Um, it, it's like Cota de Casa if you're in Southern California. Um, if, you're, if you're somewhere else, you know, around the country, it's just, it's where the nicest areas are. Typically, you have their gated private communities. Um, typically, they have a name. Um, it's so funny, in, in America, the nicest neighborhoods and the worst neighborhoods have, have names, right? When I'm in Philly, I know Strawberry Mansion is going to be fairly rough. Um, when, I, when, I'm, when I'm in Houston, you know, if I go to the Fifth Ward, I know it's going to be pretty rough, right? If I go to, if I'm in Houston, though, and I'm in the Galleria, I know it's really, really nice, you know? If I'm in, if I'm in Philly and, and I'm in, uh, you know, Brewery Town or I'm in Germantown especially, I know I'm going to be in a nice area. So I just find that fascinating um, that typically the worst and the best have names and then the middle class are just middle class neighborhoods. So I find that interesting. Um, the other thing is, is when you're there, you can't use typical conventional numbers in an A-plus neighborhood to do your, do your property valuations, right? Um, and what I'm talking about is it doesn't, it's not, comps don't line up the same. It's not bedrooms, bathrooms. It's not necessarily perfect when it comes to square footage. And so in A neighborhoods, typically you have to see what stuff sells for and then set your price accordingly and, and, and wait for a buyer. Whereas when you're in A minus neighborhoods all the way down to C neighborhoods, you can really get down to your, your value of your property based on square footage, bedrooms, bathrooms, acreage of the property, and some of the other amenities and details. So A neighborhoods are great. You don't see a lot of A neighborhoods though go at, go at auctions. Um, whether it's mortgage foreclosures or tax foreclosures, you don't see a lot of A neighborhood properties go. Do they go? Absolutely, yes. Like we bought one in Houston, our Wood Estates properties. Um, just crazy, you know, we bought it for 82000 
and you know that property after rehab will retail from six to eight hundred thousand and it's just crazy no property is bought and sold in this area for over five years um, that's just how what a tight you know nice neighborhood that is and so yeah we pay attention when they come up but usually I call them like the one in one thousands one out of one in a thousand of those that show up on an auction list is actually going to be auctioned off but when it does it can be a great great value um, so typically as we get into our B neighborhoods this is where we see a lot of the things going on within the tax industry a, a lot of a lot of action so typically you'll see a ton of properties um, that are in B neighborhoods but you also see a ton of B, B properties drop off the list and so if I have a list of a hundred properties typically 50 to 60 of them will be these B neighborhoods and out of those 50 to 60 of them probably 35 to 40 of them are going to drop off drop off of your list um, these are their properties that are working class professional neighborhoods um, typically they're in they have an HOA attached with them um, you know when you drive into the neighborhoods you know they're usually um, depending on what city you're in right because some cities across country have no new construction but when I'm when I'm in a city usually these are things that have been built in the last 15 to 20 years um, they, they usually have pretty pretty good schools um, it, it gives you a really good idea when you when you're going to the B, B neighborhoods now one of the, my basic basic designation too with the, the B neighborhoods is that they are um, the working class professional neighborhoods. So, and then you get into C neighborhoods, right? Rougher neighborhoods. Um, typically, you know, you might have one boarded up house on the street. Um, they're, they're properties, you know, where you'll see a lot of people hanging out during the day because there's going to be more unemployed people that are in those neighborhoods. And so these, these, are, these are things you begin to recognize. And like in some cities, when you go there, at first you're not going to be great at being able to designate you know a b or c when you're at a property but then as you get further down the line and you've seen more deals and more properties you're going to start to get really specific you'll start adding in b pluses and b minuses and c pluses and c minuses right for me i i don't like to buy properties that are below a c um so d d neighborhoods for me are always what i call do not enter neighborhoods right um d neighborhoods are typically where drug users live um it's fascinating you get into a lot of c c plus neighborhoods where drug um, drug dealing is going on um, and they're a little bit actually safer neighborhoods when, than where the drug using is going on when you're dealing in you know the cheaper properties right when we're talking about trying to get a property cheap like one of the houses I'll show you we bought for $5,500 you know that's going to be in a rough neighborhood and so you're, you're automatically um, when you're getting those kind of prices and so you got to know what you're dealing with what these different arenas different areas are D is pass I always call those the do not enter um, you know when I'm out there looking at these properties, um, I'm doing a lot of evaluations. I'm taking a look at you know, what's going on at the house. And so I'm looking at the exterior of the house and I'm gonna show you some houses we're gonna go through here in just a second. But here's one of the things that I see a lot of investors waste a lot of time on and, and really get frustrated in the valuation property. And it's when you get confused. And so if you're confused about the property lines um, or something just looks off or wrong, in the situation with the property um, and, 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 and you get confused in the situation typically I would say pass because what happens to a lot of investors is that this thing's a numbers game now if you're going to an auction where you have one or two properties that are going to go to auction or you know ten properties going to auction maybe you spend more time on it when you're dealing on a, a numbers game like us I like to go to auctions that are going to auction off a ton of properties because I think some of the greatest opportunities happen when a lot of properties are being auctioned off because that's usually when a property will fall through the cracks and, and you can you know get at a, a really great price. 
And so I see people though, they'll, they'll try and figure something out and they'll end up losing a day or two days of their time and they'll get stuck on something. And in real estate, it's always about the next property, the next deal. We're not in an economy, we're not in a real estate market where there's not another deal. And so deals are out there. There's great deals, there's great investments out there. And so if you get confused, you have, you have to move on. And so when I'm looking at these properties, I'm always thinking like, what's the worst case scenario? Because if worst case scenario, I go and invest my money into the property, and then I have to fix it up and rehab it. And in the worst case scenario, I can still break even slot, you know, or be just a little bit profitable, then that's a pretty good situation. Because my most likely scenario is how I'm creating my max bid sheet, right? Here's what my most likely scenario is. And so if I'm evaluating a property, you know, and I know it's worth $150,000 and I know it's going to cost me $50,000 in order to rehab it, now my starting point's at 100, right? And so, so in this situation, you know, I'm going to take off my, prop, my profit margin in that one, it's going to be at least $30,000. And so now I'm at 70 and then I have what I call soft costs or, or miscellaneous costs. And so I'll pull another 10. So let's say I decide my max spends $60,000 on this property. So now I go back and I take a look at the whole scenario and I want to know in this situation, what's my worst scenario? Well, worst case scenario, you know, this is a, a 2,000 square foot house and I know that, that, you know, worst case scenario, I'm going to be at, you know, $45 a square foot, right? And so $45 a square foot times 2,000 is going to be $90,000. So my 60,000 plus my 90,000 is going to put me at 150. So worst case scenario, let's say just everything in the world goes wrong and there's a whole bunch more things wrong than I ever could have imagined. You know, I'm, I'm at a property that I bought for 150 that's one, worth 150 Now that has not hap that doesn't happen to us and that's not the typical, but I always wanna know what's the worst scenario because now if I'm investing and I'm investing in it in order to make that $30,000, and at the same time, you know, the worst case scenario still has me at break even or profitable. Now I'm in a win-win situation when I'm evaluating these properties. And so, you know, I think it's just, Super, super important that, that when you're out evaluating properties, you, you gotta evaluate it like a retail contractor, unless you're a rehabber or a contractor yourself, like you're, you're an actual get your hands dirty kind of rehabber or contractor, and you're gonna get dirty on the hands, your, the property yourself. What you wanna be able to do is take a look in a retail situation. I'm, I'm getting on Angie's List, I'm getting on uh, you know Yelp, and I'm finding a, a rehabber or a contractor that has you know, a lot of experience that has a lot of positive reviews. I see a lot of investors get into deals, get into properties, and they try to be cheap and they try to do the rehab cheap and they, this is their first deal ever. And what it ends up happening, it ends up costing them a lot more money. So if you're a beginner and you're just getting started, just go retail. And so then just know when you're evaluating your properties that whereas, you know, me, we have in-house contractors and in-house rehabbers. Now at this point, when we first got started, we didn't, but now we have that. So something that may cost me, you know, $40 a square foot is probably going to cost you $50 a square foot, but that's okay because there's still tons and tons of good deals that are out there, but just give yourself a margin of error so that you're not, you're not, you're not left holding the bag later as you're investing. Um, so this is one of our properties. This is, um, you know, decent before and after picture, right? And so this is 10161 Tamarisk. So these are obviously the before pictures. Uh, this is what we saw, you know, when we went into the went into this property. So, you look at this, and you know, you, you have to ask yourself, you know, what level of condition are you going to do the rehab? You know, how nice are you going to make it? Now you see the after pictures, right? You can see what a difference it's going to make when you invest in, in into your properties. And so, when I'm evaluating something like this, I have to make a determination, right? 
Now Tamarisk is a property we wanted to get maximum value for. We want to be able to sell this property, and so we, you know, we do a rehab that's at a completely another level. Now, if I was renting this property, I wouldn't end up having it look like this. And so that's something you have to keep in mind as you're evaluating properties. Are you going to buy and hold and rent properties, or are you going to fix and flip? Because if you fix and flip, it's going to need to look like this. If you're going to buy and if you're going to rent the property, then then this, you know, cleaned up might actually start to become you know acceptable so as you're looking at properties it starts to give you an idea um, this is 335 north redfield property we bought for five thousand dollars now you can see this is very different than the tamarisk property where there's no chance that this is going to be rentable very very soon but if i was going to to to, to do a cheap rehab on this i might just refinish the floors repaint repaint this and, and actually leave the windows in place but because we're, we're going to hold this property for 30 years as a rental, we go ahead and rehab it so that we know it's going to stay for the long term. So these are all things that you have to factor in when you're when you're making your numbers, right? So typically, you know, my my retail rehabs in Philadelphia are costing me, you know, really fifty dollars a square foot. Whereas my rental rehabs, if I'm doing the entire thing, are costing me closer to thirty thirty five dollars a square foot. So when I'm evaluating my pro my properties, these are all things that 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 I'm keeping in mind. You know, uh, this is just that same house, Redfield. This is the before. This is, this is the after. Um, these are just some more before and afters. This is Allegheny. Uh, this is another one of our properties. So, you know, this is Allegheny. Um, actually, let me go back to the first one. So Tamarisk is with one of our students, Jan. Uh, he's one of our student partners on, on that specific deal. And so this is a situation where, you know, we went ahead and, and fixed it up and rehabbed. But when we rehabbed it, our, our appraisal came back actually higher than we expected. It came back over... 260,000. We were actually expecting the value to come back more around 220, 225. And so what we did in this situation is we actually um, are refinancing it. And then at, when we refinance it, we'll pull all of our money out plus a profit. And then we actually can still hold the property for the long-term gains that we're going to get over time. And so that's super cool. And then this property is one of our, one of our students um, is, is partners with us, Jose. And, and so Jose's, you know, got into this deal. And for five thousand dollars, we put about forty thousand dollars into rehab into it. So we're in for about forty-five um, to fifty thousand dollars with with extra miscellaneous costs. But it's running out at eleven hundred dollars a month, and so that's a that's a that's a great deal. Um, you just can't ask for anything better. Uh, Thirty-two forty, you know, West Allegheny is is a flip, and so you know each of these properties you're doing in in some different ways. And and so when we got into Allegheny. You know, we had to look at, you know, what are we going to have to do to be able to maximize, maximize the flip? You can see how, how pretty it is. I mean, these, these are just fun things. You know what we'll do, too, is we'll, we'll in the, the chat, we'll, we'll, post these, we'll post these pictures, the before and after pictures, so you guys can take a little bit longer to pick these up. And so, you know, when I'm evaluating properties, I'm going to draw some stuff up here for you guys. So when I'm evaluating properties, um, there's some things that I'm always, that are super important to me. So the very first thing is I'm gonna look at, look at my neighborhoods. So I'm gonna ABC my neighborhoods, right? And so we talked about that before, right? A is your Beverly Hills, right? Uh, B is your, work, is your professional, right? Professional neighborhoods, right? And C, C's are um, your, your, how do I put these? These C's are your, uh, let's see if it's erasing for me. It doesn't want to erase for me. There we go. So my C neighborhoods are typically my neighborhoods that, you know, take a lot of evaluation. But these are, you, 
That's why you're live on Facebook, because not everything works perfect when you're live on Facebook. So I'm not sure what I need to do different here, Tim. Ha! I got it. <laughs> I feel accomplished with technology. And so my C's are my, are my working class neighborhoods, right? Um, and typically, you know, if you get into, you know, C minus neighborhoods, you start to get into your real ghettos. Um, you know, your D, your D neighborhoods, right? Those are your do not enter, right? Do not enter neighborhoods. So, you know, we kind of already covered this a little bit. So what, I'm, what I want to talk about here, though, is my favorite place to invest. And so my favorite place to invest are the C plus to the B minus neighborhoods. So typically for me, this is the hottest area to be. And this is going to be my working class emerging into professional neighborhoods. This is going to be where my college students, my college areas are going to be. Because I typically see these properties with, with the least um, that are undervalued, right? Undervalued. But I also see them with higher rents in those areas, right? Higher rents. And then the other thing that I see in those areas, which is, which is so important, is I see my fastest appreciation. I see my fastest appreciation. So these are things I'm constantly looking for. I'm, I'm trying to figure out where these areas are. And so as I'm getting into my cities, and let me see if I can just, if it'll flip to the next one, good. As I'm getting into my cities and I'm, I'm evaluating these, and in the core of every city, right, we have a downtown area, right? And so this is my downtown area. And then we start to have these circles that go outside of downtown. And so outside of downtown, you have this shell that circles downtown. Then typically what you have is you have this, this bigger area, right, that is here. And then you start to have your, your emerging into your suburbs from here. And then you have your suburbs on the outside. So what I'm, what I'm talking about here is how do we know how our areas work, right? And so throughout this, throughout this map of, of a typical city, this is typically money right here, right? This area, this shell, is typically going to be A, right? Um, a to, to, to B neighborhoods, right? Um, this is going to be money. Typically, your C to D neighborhoods are going to be in that shell outside of, outside of your money of your downtown, right? And then as you go out from here, as you start to go out from here, you'll go to your B neighborhoods, right? You'll go to your... your, your, your your B plus neighborhoods, right? And to your A neighborhoods. And so this is kind of how cities go as you go outside of a city. And this is typical population trends. It's just how cities were built. It's where the factories were. It's how the working class was built. And so these are how neighborhoods get. Now the next thing you get into different cities is you'll get things like, like, a, like a university, right? You might have a university right here. And then you might have over here, you know, you might have something like Disneyland, right? Disneyland. And so you'll have, and over here you might have, you know, the football stadium, right? The football stadium. And so typically these things start to become their own new nucleus, right? And then they'll have their own micro maps outside of that. And then so right here you'll have this new nucleus and then you'll have your own micro maps through this, right? And so you, when you get to know a city really well, and the only way you're going to get to know a city extraordinarily well is taking the time to look at the maps, take a time to look at an entire map and look at the comps, look at neighborhoods and truly start to understand a neighborhood. Now you'll know certain things about it, you know, like in Philadelphia, there's a zoo, right? And so the zoo 
really affects values in one area. And so what I love to do is define these areas between the pinch, the, the pinch points. And so these pinch points between the football stadium and downtown, this area right here, is typically a, can be a really hot emerging area, right? The area between the university and Disney, somewhere in here, is typically you're going to have a lot of good things. And so like these, these is kind of where you get to. So when you start to take a look at that, what I like to do is I like to start to take my, my, my cities and I like to color code them. So these might be my C and D areas. So I might start to color code this all red, where, where typically I, I'm not going to buy a whole lot in my red areas, right? Then I might take my green areas, my green areas, my green areas, right? But I might find this as a green area right here, right? And so as I've mapped out my city, this is where my, this is where my appreciation is. These are my hot areas, right? This is where my appreciation is. This is where my hot areas. So in a city like Houston, where there's a major workforce in, in, in three, three major industries there, right? You have the oil industry, you have the university and the professional college industry, and you have the medical industry, right? And so what I like to do is, you know, where are my biggest centers? So this might be my, my oil factories, right? This might be my universities, and this might be my major medical areas. And so what I'll typically find is people are always going to want to go to downtown. Why do people want to go to downtown? It's because it's where the shows are. That's where the activities are, right? That's where the, the, the nicer, nicer schools are, right? Lots of times people will be, in, be, 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 a, be an executive that works you know, in the oil industry out here, but the corporate headquarters is downtown. And so these are things that you typically get where these people want to live and where these nicer arenas, these nicer areas are built, right? People don't start a business and then want to commute, you know, 45 miles to get to their job every single day. Uh, like me, I love it. I started this business and I only have to drive five minutes to 10 minutes to get here every single day. I love that about, about, about our office. And so as you get deeper and deeper into cities, you're literally going to put a big map up on the wall of any city you're working in. And you're going to start to put up price values in different areas on your map. And you're going to start to learn where these emerging markets are. As you learn with these emerging markets, it just starts to become a huge difference in your ability to succeed in this business. It just makes all the difference in the world to know where, 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 what properties are going to grow in a lot of value. Um, I'll give you, give you an example. In Houston, because we did a map like this, but we did a map like this of kind of where our flood zones and our flood areas are. So majority of our properties in Houston didn't get hit um, with the Hurricane Harvey that came through because we were paying attention to our maps, paying attention to what's going on in our cities. Our properties have really grown in value in the cities we're in because we're paying attention to these maps. So it's really kind of an advanced look at it. Now, the, the last thing that I want to talk about, you know, oh, let's see, I'm not sure what happened here. Keep or discard your ink annotations. So, is property evaluation. So I'm not going to draw it up there for you. So when we look at each individual property, we rank our properties A, B, C as well, right? And so as I'm ranking my properties A, B, C, my A properties need little to no rehab at all. My B properties are going to need my medium to, to light rehab, right? My C properties are going to be my full rehabs from start to finish. And so what that kind of makes me take a look at is my A rehabs are usually going to need, you know, that $10 a square foot in order to fix it up and, and, and make it nice. Uh, my B properties are going to need that $30 to $35 a square foot to get it to where I need it to be. And my C properties that I'm rehabbing from start to finish 
um, are going to typically be, you know, depending on what city I'm in, but my 40 to $50 a square foot in order to rehab. So um, we're out of time today for, for our live. Um, I know we covered a ton of information really, really fast. Um, you know, if you got questions about stuff we talked about, make sure you put it in the chat. I mean, really comments a lot. You know, you're out there trying to do this business or you're out there trying to do real estate, period, and, and you're confused or, or you're struggling. You know, we're here for you. You know, we give more information away um, as, uh, as, as our gift to you, right, than, than anybody else is even putting out there. And so our goal is to be more responsive, more active to investors who want to go and succeed. And yes, we have, we have our own um, business interest in that, right? We want more partners. We want more investors to come on board with us. But the way we see investing is the more people out there investing, the more people out there succeeding and making money, the better that is for the real estate market. Because the more transactions are, the more ability there is for us to make money and the more values will go up on our properties um, and the better it is for our rent. So uh, like and share these videos. Uh, we'll see you guys on, on the flip side and we'll talk soon. Thank you for listening to The Rad Podcast, an exploration of wealth. For more information, please visit our website, www.raddiversified.com. We'd love to hear from you. Please leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. Thank you.